I wish we can keep singing, but Nora drove a long time to get here. But we can keep we can keep singing and worshiping uh, after that. But I, I love the Jesus focus of the song because this is a sermon series that we're working on. As Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm really excited. So a little bit about Nora. Um, she is a deacon, and an ordained deacon in the conference. She's also a doctor, right? A theology doctor, not a doctor. Saving life doctor. She saves souls, not life. There we go. Good save, right there. <laughs> no bad for English in my second language to catch those. There we go. Um, so I met Nora in 2012. Oh, and children's might be dismissed. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Ryan, you can, you can go with Karen. So I met Nora in 2012. When I was in seminary, I was in a retreat, and this lady came to teach a workshop, and it was pretty amazing. I don't remember what exactly it was about, but I remember that it was amazing. And in that moment, she talked about missions. Three years later, my wife and I were missionaries, and it was because of that initial conversation that I had with her in 2012. Then we, we stayed in touch. Uh, we emailed back and forth. Every time I, I came to the U.S., I visited with her. She's pretty amazing. Uh, one of her daughters is actually an amazing chef. Maybe if you say her name, she may give you a discount where she works. No? <laughs> yes. Okay, everybody, we're going to her daughter's restaurant after here. You inviting? You paying? Okay. So I want to invite Nora. She's going to be our preacher today. She's an executive pastor at the Net Church. The Net Church has three campuses, and one in Lurburn, another one in Lawrenceville, and another one in Norcross. And she has recently joined the team. I used to be an associate pastor there, so they changed me for a better model. Uh, so if you like her preaching and it's your first time here, usually our sermons are not as good as that one that is coming. So give, give a give, well, big welcome to Nora. She's going to be sharing the word with us today. Oh, that was, a, <laughs> that was a great introduction. You have to leave about half of it. I was telling somebody here that my worst uh, nightmare is when, that I'm going to preach and I'm going to fall on my face. So I'm always worried about that. Um, but I'm really excited to be here and honored to be here with you. And uh, let's pray together. Loving God, touch our hearts with your word. May our thoughts this morning bring us closer to you and closer to one another. And may you challenge us this morning to be your followers that don't stay comfortable inside, but go uncomfortably outside. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today I want to share with you about one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. It's a long story, so I'm going to read parts of it. Um, but it's one of those stories in the Bible that you can imagine being yourself there, and you can imagine how people felt, how everything smelled. So it's one of, one of those stories. It comes from Acts 10, and it's the story of 
Cornelius and Peter. And I will be, re and I will be re reading from the message. There was a man named Cornelius who lived in Caesarea, captain of the Italian guard stationed there. He was a thoroughly good man. He had led everyone in his house to live worshipfully before God, was always helping people in need, and had the habit of prayer. One day, about three o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. An angel of God, as real as his next-door neighbor, came in and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared back, wondering if he was seeing things. Then he said, what do you want, sir? The angel said, your prayers and neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. Here, here is what you are to do. Send men to Hoppa to get Simon, the one everyone calls Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is in down by the sea. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two servants and one particularly devout soldier from the guard. He went over with them in great detail everything that had just happened and then sent them off to Hoppa. The next day, as the three travelers were approaching the town, Peter went out on the balcony to pray. It was about noon. Peter got hungry and started thinking about lunch. While lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the skies open up, something that looked like a huge blanket lowered by ropes at its four corners settled on the ground. Every kind of animal and reptile and bird you could think of was on it. Then a voice came, go to it, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, oh no, Lord, I've never so much as tasted food that was not kosher. The voice came a second time, if God says it's okay, it's okay. This happened three times and then the blanket was pulled back into the sky. As Peter puzzled, sat there trying to figure out what it all meant, the men sent by Cornelius show up at Simon's front door. They called in, asking if there was a Simon, also called Peter, staying there. Peter, lost in thought, didn't hear them, so the spirit whispered to him, three men are knocking at the door looking for you. Get down there and go with them. Don't ask questions. I send them to get you. Peter went down and said to them, I think I'm the man you're looking for. What's up? They said, Captain Cornelius, a God-fearing man, well known for his fair play, as any Jew in this part of the country, was commanded by a holy angel to get you and bring you to his house so he could hear what you had to say. Peter invited them in and made them feel at home. The next morning, he got up and went with them, and some of his friends from Hoppa went along. A day later, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had his relatives and close friends waiting with him. Peter addressed them. You know, I'm sure that this is highly irregular. Jews just don't do this, visit and relax with people of another race. But God has just shown me that no race is better than any other. So the minute I was sent for, I came. No questions asked. But now, I'd like to know why you sent for me. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorite. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open.
No sooner were these words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came on the listeners. The believing Jews who had come with Peter couldn't believe it, couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on outsiders, non-Jews. Then Peter said, Do I hear any objections to baptizing these friends with water? They have received the Holy Spirit exactly as we did. Hearing no objections, he ordered that they baptized, that be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay for a few days. Isn't it a cool story? So Luke uh, is the author of the book of Acts. And he starts the story describing the main characters. First, he describes Cornelius, a non-Jew, this is important, by birth, and a high-ranking officer in the Roman army. This is the same Roman army that at the time was occupying Judea. Cornelius is described as a man who feared God, a devout man who prayed to God and gave generously to those in need. The second character is Peter, a Jewish man raised in the Jewish faith and in the Jewish ways of everyday life. Peter strictly followed the instruction of his Jewish faith in everything he did, what he ate, what he didn't eat, who he hung out with. And we also know that Peter did not have a higher formal education, that he was a fisherman by trade. So we have two characters in the story, Cornelius, a Gentile, which means a non-Jew, and a high-ranking officer in the army that was occupying the land where the Jews lived. And then we have Peter, a Jew, a fisherman, and a citizen of a conquered nation. In other words, for all intents and purposes, Cornelius and Peter were not only from different cultures and different classes, they were enemies. Think about this as we go on with the story. Now that we know a little bit about Peter and Cornelius, let's get back to the story. In the first scene, an angel from God appears to Cornelius, tells him that his prayers have been answered, and instructs him to send someone to bring Peter to his home, which Cornelius immediately does. In the second scene, while Peter was praying, he sees a supernatural vision, and hears a voice that urges him to kill and eat animals his Jewish faith forbade him to eat. Logically, Peter forcefully rejected the persistent invitation, arguing that he had never eaten unclean food as defined by the Jewish law. The heavenly voice, however, insisted, arguing that God had a new message and a new label, that God had made the unclean clean, and that which was considered profane was now sacred. These two men had two supernatural experiences. One received a message from the God of his new faith, and the other one received a revised message from the God of his ancestors. Then the story continues while Peter was still thinking about the vision and what the voice had said, Cornelius' men arrived at the door, two servants or slaves, and a soldier. They told him that Cornelius had sent for him, and Peter, following the Spirit's instruction, welcomed them despite his strong misgivings. Then, 
something extraordinary happened. Peter overcame his strongly held prejudices against the man that sent by a non-Jew enemy soldier, again, two servants or slaves and a, and a soldier, and welcomed this unclean man into the Jewish home where he was staying. It was nothing short of outrageous that Peter invited this man in because he would have never associated with them. But now, after his experience with God, Peter welcomed them and ate with them and put them out for the night because Peter finally understood the message of the vision that for God no one and nothing is profane and unclean and for those who follow Jesus... The boundaries that separate people from one another have been torn down. The story continues with Peter and other followers of Jesus uh, heading to Cornelius' home. And when Peter arrived, he clearly named that, that which divided him from Cornelius and his people from Cornelius' people. Peter acknowledged that the divide between them was deep and strong that hanging out in each other's home was more than highly irregular, as the message puts it, but in fact, it was illegal. But that now God has shown him a new way and that those rules that kept people separate, should, that no one should be excluded. All of those rules were null and void. So let's think about this for a moment. In this precise instant, Peter put aside the rules that he had always lived by, the ingrained values that were part of his faith, the rules of his culture and upbringing, in order to bridge the divide between him and Cornelius and between his people and Cornelius' people and between Jews and non-Jews. Because through divine and human encounters, Peter learned that the cross had changed everything. And that Peter and Cornelius were now to see each other not as enemies, separated by social class, faith, or status, but as friends. This passage from Acts 10 not only describes a significant change in Peter's own life and behavior, but in fact, it sets a massive shift for, for the way in which the early church will move forward. The, the story clearly teaches us the truth of the gospel, that God's grace, then and now, directs us to cross boundaries erected by communities and prescribed by our own culture to develop authentic relationships even among different. The truth of the gospel abolishes the labels that we have learned about people and that because of the cross, we are to see every person as sacred, every life as valuable, every human as one whom God loves with an outrageous love. So we can learn a couple of lessons from this story. First, it is very difficult to cross boundaries, to relate with people who are different than us and people whom we, we, we were raised to keep apart from. It is difficult to put aside the rules and views that we have grown up with. And it is also very uncomfortable. For Peter, Peter, it was not easy to welcome two servants and a soldier in the home where he was staying. 
It was not easy uh, to go to the Gentiles' home and stay there and eat with them in the same table, eating the same food for several days. I imagine it took Peter all of his will to keep remembering what God had told him. But this call to cross boundaries is really nothing new. This is what Jesus showed us in his life when he touched the untouchable, when he ate with sinners, when he praised the faith of a foreigner. And this is what Jesus is calling us to do today, to put aside those rules that keep us separate from others so we can be in authentic relationship with one another. I like the way uh, Rachel Evans put it when she wrote, but the gospel doesn't need a coalition devoted to keep the wrong people out. It needs a family of sinners, saved by grace, committed to tearing down the walls, throwing open the doors and shouting, welcome, there is bread and wine, come, eat with us and talk. This isn't a kingdom for the worthy, it's a kingdom for the hungry. So last fall, I had the opportunity to travel to Germany. Actually, a year ago today, I was in Germany. I went with a group of pastors, and we went because we wanted to learn what uh, United Methodist Churches in Germany had done when Germany received uh, a million refugees starting in 2015. And we visited a church in Alstadt and Mepstetten, and I'm sure that's not the way you say it. This, this area became an entry port for thousands of refugees overnight during, between 2015 and 2017. And this was a small congregation composed with mostly older people. They told us they didn't know what to do, but that they knew they had to do something. One middle-aged woman told us how shocked they, were all, they, they all were when their small city decided to welcome thousands of refugees. But because of their faith in Christ, they decided to get involved. It was uncomfortable. They had a different faith, a different language. They dressed different and had a different culture. So she shared, this woman shared, how she overcame her discomfort and got involved with the refugees who now lived in her city. She picked them up and drove them around to run errands and even welcomed them in her home for tea and for meals. They got to know one another and they became friends. And then she stopped. She got very quiet and she said, it was the best year of my life. She had been blessed by this experience. And because of what this woman and many other United Methodists in Germany did, many refugees experienced, not only her, but experienced the witness of these followers of Christ. And some started asking to know more about this Jesus. And some even asked to be baptized. Their witness was not done to revitalize the United Methodist Church in Germany, but that's exactly what happened. So there is another lesson we can learn from Cornelius and Peter's story. And the lesson is they took the time to listen to one another's story. When you read the whole story in chapter 10, you, you will notice how many times the story is repeated over and over. 
If it had been me, I would have said, Peter, come on, you probably were so hungry that you started hearing and seeing things. Or we would have told Cornelia, Cornelia, you probably had bad shrimp, and that's why you heard that voice. But no, they, were, they listened to each other's story and they believed it from that person's perspective. In any relationship, we must take time to listen. And particularly when we cross boundaries, to be in relationship with some, someone from a different background than ours, we must, and I repeat, we must take the time to listen, to listen to their story and to listen to understand it from their perspective. We all have the tendency to dismiss someone else's experience or to interpret it through our own eyes. But in order to build authentic relationships with others, we must take that time to listen and understand their story, their experience, from their perspective. Author, author Brene Brown said it best when she wrote, in order to empathize with someone's someone experience, you must be willing to believe them as they see it, and not how you imagine their experience to be. This is a key part of building relationship. This is a key part of crossing boundaries. Friends, this is the truth of the gospel. The gospel that we're called to be lived in and the gospel we're called to live by crossing boundaries. To listen, to empathize, and to be in relationship with others. But not only others that look and think like us, but others who come from different backgrounds and have different experiences. I would argue, if I may, that we, before we do it as a church, as an institution, it must start with each one of us in our own lives, with our decision of who we hang out with, with our decision of whom we invite over for dinner, or who we take the time to listen to. Friends, we are living challenging times. There are sharp divisions all around us. People are hurting. I think we all agree with that. So today, the call, the call of the gospel is as urgent and as pertinent as ever. It is a call to bridge the divide, a call to model this to our children, to our church, to our friends. Just as Peter and Cornelius did, our call as Christ followers is to cross those boundaries that separate us from others and open ourselves to new and authentic relationships and friendships. We have a call. We know what to do. The question is, are we willing? Are we willing to do it? Are we willing to step out of our comfort zones to get to know others. And I want to remember, remind you that the best example of somebody who stepped out of their comfort zone is God. God stepped out of God's comfort zone so he will become one of us. So it's nothing new. This is our call. This is what we must do to live out the gospel. Please join me in prayer. God, we give you thanks because your word is as alive today as it was when it was written. 
over 2,000 years ago. We ask, us, we ask you not to leave us alone, to keep nudging us and bothering us so we will do what you ask us to do, so we would be your disciples, so we will bring about transformation in whatever spaces we are in, that we will live our faith without fear, that we will live our faith with boldness, just as Jesus did. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.